0: Welcome to Working Class Heroes Radio, a show by working people for working people in New York City. My name is Khadija, one of your hosts tonight.
1: And I'm Lupita Romero, your other host for tonight. Today, we're doing this show completely live. And as you know, we've largely been following the housing crisis across the city, as people are struggling to pay their rent during the pandemic and landlords push for eviction courts to reopen. We've spoken about NYCHA tenants getting repairs. We've spoken about tenants getting locked out, being forced out. But today we're gonna focus on another aspect of the housing crisis, the process of rezoning and gentrification. That's actually been happening for quite a while now. But first, here's Danny and Yanni with the headlines.
2: California, Oregon, and Washington State had been ravaged by the biggest wave of wildfires in over a century. Over 30 people have been declared dead, with many more missing. Cities from Los Angeles to Seattle are blanketed with some of the worst air quality in the world, as smoke from the fires has reached all the way to the East Coast.
3: Farm workers, many of whom are immigrants, are continuing to work in the fields, and many of them are being denied the most basic safety equipment. The United Farm Workers Union reports that over 90% of California farm workers responding to a poll said they hadn't received an N95 mask from their employer, even though the state says it has distributed hundreds of thousands of masks to agribusinesses. On Monday, Donald Trump flew to California to visit the devastation and denied to reporters that the fires are related to climate change. In response, Trump's Democratic opponent, Joe Biden, accused Trump of being a, quote, climate arsonist. But the Democratic Party has also angered climate change activists, most recently last month when the party's national committee removed language from its platform that called for ending subsidies and tax breaks for fossil fuel industries.
2: In local climate change news, last Saturday, 200 people rallied in Astoria to demand that Governor Cuomo reject a bid of energy to build a new power plant using fracked natural gas. Democratic Socialist of America organizer Sarah Lyons told Queens.com, quote, it's planetary suicide to build more fossil fuel infrastructure. It's time to take our energy system out of the hands of corporations whose best offer is to poison us a little more slowly and create a public power system that puts people and planet over profit. quote.
3: it was another dark week for immigrants and asylum seekers. A federal appeals court panel ruled on Monday that the Trump administration can end temporary protected status, or TPS, for some 300,000 immigrants from El Salvador, Haiti, Nicaragua, and Sudan, many of whom have lived in the U.S. for decades. Advocates say they are planning to appeal the decision.
2: Three days earlier, the federal government told court officials that it has expelled over 150,000 migrants who arrived at the southern border seeking refuge including almost 9,000 unaccompanied minors. The administration claims that these expulsions are an emergency policy to prevent spread of COVID into the U.S., even though the U.S. has higher rates of the disease than any other country in the world. In July, the New York Times and the Marshall Project found that in fact, the U.S. was spreading COVID around the world by locking up migrants in detention centers where the disease spread and then deporting them to countries that had low rates of infection. And the Washington Post reported last week that the government created a COVID outbreak at a Virginia immigration detention center when it flew detainees from Arizona and Florida on a plane to Washington DC, so that ICE agents from those centers could be deployed against Black Lives Matter protesters in the nation's capital. Once the detainees arrived at the Virginia facility, over 300 incarcerated immigrants were infected with COVID and one died
3: finally, a whistleblower at a Georgia immigrant detention facility says that a doctor in the prison has been performing hysterectomies on detained women without getting their proper consent. The allegations against the doctor and the private prison company, LaSalle Corrections, have renewed calls among activists and some elected officials to abolish immigration and customs enforcement, the agency better known as ICE.
2: And in local news. Just days before New York City schools were set to open their doors to hundreds of thousands of students, Mayor Bill de Blasio announced another one-week delay in response to widespread doubts about whether buildings have adequate ventilation and the staffing levels to support both in-person and remote learning. Last week, the Department of Education released ventilation reports that found that the majority of bathrooms do not have adequate ventilation to be considered safe. And some experts have questioned the department's judgment of what qualifies as adequate ventilation, which can be seen as little as a classroom with a window that is slightly open.
3: At least 55 teachers have already tested positive for COVID since they started reporting to buildings to prepare for the school year. In a number of cases, educators say that the city didn't follow the testing and tracing protocols that are part of its agreement with the United Federation of Teachers. As of now, the union is continuing to go along with the reopening plan, despite these failures, but many educators have been taking matters into their own hands. At IS 230 in Jackson Heights, teachers refused to enter the building after they were notified by a coworker of a positive test but heard nothing from city officials. Teachers, many of them members of MORE, the movement of rank and file educators, have organized rallies at schools across the city to demand that schools go fully remote. And that's it for headlines. Now back to Lupita and Khadija.
1: Papers, I'm a oh, 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 I'm I'm a that was I'm an Alien by Rebel Diaz. You're listening to Working Class Heroes Radio on WBAI 99.5 FM. We're also streaming on WBAI.org. Thank you so much for listening. So we've survived about six months of this pandemic. And there's been a lot of talk about New York City being dead, and overrun by homelessness and increasing crime. But frankly, this is fear-mongering and sort of an insult to the thousands of people who are trying to stay in their homes, save their small businesses, try to make an income, and generally just continue to live in the city. It's also, in our honest opinion, the thoughts and opinions of largely richer New Yorkers that have been moving into the city in the last 10 years, because of very intentional policy. The truth is there's a growing divide and struggle between rich New York and poor New York. In fact, during the pandemic, American billionaires, including many who live in New York City, got about $434 billion richer. For the rest of us, there's a lot of unemployment, especially in low-wage industries. Workers are reporting negligent and hazardous conditions in restaurants, warehouses, schools, courts, and basically every single New York City institution. Landlords are fighting to resume evictions and tenants are falling behind on rent. Homeless people who haven't been able to quarantine in safe conditions have been put out into the streets or often have to choose the streets because the shelters are so overcrowded. And the Black Lives Matter protests throughout the country have impacted the way the quarantine was implemented, the way that it was policed. In previous episodes, we've spoken about the curfews that were implemented, many of them unjustified, um, as well as mass arrests of protesters, and also how policing is being used generally to repress the discontent that we're now seeing as we try to move towards reopening.
0: That's absolutely right, Lupita. And in the midst of this upheaval that you described, more than 160 business leaders, the 1% of New York's wealthiest, put forth their thoughts on what they feel Mayor Bill de Blasio needs to do to fix the city. Now, in this letter, they pledge their quote-unquote commitment to the city and ask that action be taken on public safety and other quality-of-life issues that jeopardize economic recovery. Now, they go on to cite their widespread anxiety over public safety, cleanliness, and other quality-of-life issues that are contributing contributing to deteriorating conditions in the commercial districts and neighborhoods across the five boroughs. Even later on in the article, the authors state, we are prepared to help advise and support such an effort. Now, I think as we look at this letter, Lupita, we want to keep in mind who the author is, what and why are they advising, and what qualifies them, and who their advice would benefit. They cite a report in this letter, a report that acknowledges that tax increases might be necessary but specifically opposes income tax hikes on the top 1% of New Yorkers. And one thing that's important to note is that this group of business leaders, as they call themselves, wrote this letter as they wrote out the pandemic from outside of New York in places such as the Hamptons, but then waited to publish until they were back in New York City so as to avoid critique as it doesn't look so good to be telling a city how to deal with a crisis as they're avoiding it completely.
1: No, absolutely. And this is something that, you know, was talked about a lot, sort of the way that um, low income New Yorkers had to bear through the crisis, you know, while we saw sort of middle class professionals, um, but especially and specifically wealthier people, the wealthiest people in the city, which also means they're the wealthiest people in the world um, and the way that they were able to sort of quarantine in, in safer ways and largely just avoid all of the issues that we have been seeing during quarantine. Um, and you know, so this letter is basically a letter that came out, um, through the media. It's been covered by many different, artic- many different outlets in New York City. Um, and it comes at the same time as the Blasio and Cuomo are trying to reopen the city. And one of the things that, you know, the, the letter is pretty lengthy. Um, It's been posted everywhere, but in the letter, they point to New York's success in containing the virus, and they actually quote that. Um, The New York City has been very successful in containing this pandemic, but that contradicts the reality of most New Yorkers. Um, We've lost over 245,000 people across the city, most of whom are black and brown people who work in the service and public sectors of the economy, who were not able to uh, quarantine as fast as other workers. We're also seeing a spike in cases and deaths because of the Blasio and Cuomo's rush to reopen. And so this is very much like a live, ongoing debate. And 160 business leaders who are frankly not the mom and pop shops, not the coffee shops that you are seeing close down in your neighborhoods as you're walking around. We're talking about businesses like Goldman Sachs, like Chase, big energy, realty developers, um, and corporations that, um, got together to write this letter to basically influence the way that New York City reopens and the way that New York City rebuilds itself after this pandemic. Um, So, you know, I think that this idea that New York has been successful is something that they're using very much to start kind of whispering in the ear of the city administration as to how we should move forward.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I I just want to laugh at the idea of whispering because I think they're loudly declaring um, to the city what they need to do. But yeah, I mean, it only seems successful in comparison to other major cities in the country. But overall, the U.S. has been extremely unsuccessful. Thus far, there have been 6.75 million cases and 198,000 deaths from COVID-19. And for context, almost 3,000 people died from the 9-11 attacks. And yet we have had no official collective acknowledgement or mourning of the trauma from COVID. Um, and I mentioned this to say that while this looks like success to wealthy New Yorkers who have been riding this pandemic out in other places like the Hamptons, working class New Yorkers who have been facing the brunt of the pandemic's effects might disagree.
1: No, absolutely. And, you know, this letter also sort of reads, you know, it's its when you read the letter, um, the tone of it is very neutral. But when you talk about, you know, if the city doesn't deal with these issues of homelessness and um, of unemployment, you know, investors are not going to come back. They're not going to be able to rebuild New York City with us. It sort of feels like in a very neutral tone, they're setting their terms for living in New York City and for continuing to invest. Um, and they're also setting the terms for the way that they want to invest in New York City. They don't want to pay higher taxes. They don't think that paying higher taxes is an investment to the city, which is actually the most direct way that you can invest and create uh, well-being here. Um, what they want is to avoid higher taxes. And actually, when they mean um, make it easier for business leaders to come back, they mean deregulating property, deregulating businesses so that they can invest the way that they want to invest in ways that make them richer. Um, And so it's just frankly, you know, New Yorkers have been fighting to the nail for taxes on millionaires. This has been going on well before the pandemic. Um, We've been fighting for funds, for affordable housing, for public education, for sanitation, for libraries, for parks. And so while these millionaires are lobbying to refuse to pay taxes for those services, they then use this crisis of the pandemic to turn around and complain about the lack of cleanliness, the lack of um, employment, poor people roaming around because they have nowhere to go, be unhoused, not being able to find affordable housing. Um, And in general, you know, this uh, uptick in crime, which is also an exaggeration, is also not understanding that most of the petty, petty crime and civil infractions they're talking about are actually caused by the very poverty we're seeing in this city. So it's just a very like circular and manipulative way to frame the issues that New Yorkers are facing. Um, and it just is not going to work.
0: Yeah, I, I mean it's incredible. They're, they're setting these demands in place um, as the wealthiest residents in New York as they're the exact people who have the resources to provide the support that's sorely needed. Um, and this is the sort of advocacy that is also trying to push back on the Black Lives Matter movement in New York City, um, even though the effort to defund the police did not succeed. So on the one side, you have the Black Lives Matter movement um, and activists on the ground calling for greater social services and lifting up of working class people, um, especially from the effects of the pandemic. And on the other side, you have this letter, which contains this language, this um, incredibly dehumanizing language of deteriorating conditions that they're asking the city to, quote unquote, clean up. Um, and it honestly sounds a bit like a temper tantrum for, from New York's wealthiest, a tantrum that is basically them holding the city hostage.
1: Yeah, no, and one of the other things that I think it's important we tackle in this discussion about this letter is the language that they're using about quality of life issues. Um, Quality of life as a term has been documented as a shift away from what was known as broken windows. And this is important because the Black Lives Matter movement, anti-racist in general, anti-racist activists, prison abolitionists, when they talk about defunding the police, they bring up the way that broken windows has been used to bring uh, police into neighborhoods, to bring uh, corporate interest into neighborhoods, and also criminalizing and quote-unquote cleaning the streets from crimes. Um, We've known that broken windows policing over the last, 30 years that it's been implemented has not actually reduced crime in any way. In fact, it's led to mass incarceration, not just here, but everyone else. And so when we talk about quality of life issues, it's a new term that has been used by de Blasio, by uh, public officials in New York City, to actually mean the same as broken windows. And so this is coded language for more policing. They're not asking for it in the letter in any part, but it is coded language for policing and it has been a big part of gentrification already. Um, But you know, when we talk about the many ways in which millionaires influence the city, you know this letter is just one of the efforts um, that we're seeing from this um, from the higher classes to um, start to shape the way that we reopen the city. But in the last 10 years, millionaires have not only refused to pay taxes, they actually have been investing their money in rezoning and property development policies so they can drive up the prices um, for rent and bring in chain store businesses and just get richer tenants into the city. Right now, because so many people are living the city, especially middle-class, richer folks, um, there is this panic about getting rich people to move back into the city. And so, you know, one of the fights that we're seeing picking up um, in this time is rezoning efforts and struggles against that. And um, so that's what we're going to talk about later on. Um, but yeah.
0: Yeah, um, and in Brooklyn, uh, people have been fighting a rezoning that would allow Industry City, a hub for corporate investors and businesses, to expand in the area. Now, last week, Sunset Park is not for sale, a coalition of community organizations, protested a city council vote on a rezoning plan. One of the protesters spoke to us today,
4: and this is what they had to say.
0: have been
4: organizing and fighting against the private plan to rezone Sunset Park's waterfront by Industry City, Um, and just really working to make sure that this community's voices are heard in this fight. Um, They feel the effects of gentrification and displacement. They see their rents going up, Um, and it has a lot to do with this establishment and these billionaire investors coming in and investing in this property and this space. Industry City's plan is the largest private rezoning ever proposed in New York City history. And what they're asking for now is basically to expand, to expand retail. Um, In their current application, they're asking for luxury hotels. Um, And we can only, we don't have to like guess what's going to happen if they expand. We already know. It's very clear that, Displacement and gentrification will will be rampant. Um, Jamestown property.
1: Again, that was from a protest in Brooklyn against the rezoning efforts in Sunset Park. We're going to take a quick musical break, um, but stick around.
0: Was Monadita by Santa Cecilia. You're listening to Working Class Heroes Radio on WBAI 99.5 FM, also streaming on WBAI.org. And now we'll kick it off to Mel.
5: Thank you, Khadija. Um, hello, everyone. So tonight we've got um, two organizers who have been working on different rezoning, anti-rezoning efforts um, in Sunset Park and in Flushing. Um, so today we have Kimberly, I'm an organizer in Sunset Park. Kimberly, are you there with us? Yes, hi. Hey Kimberly, um, would you mind just introducing yourself?
6: Sure, uh, my name is Kimberly Morales. Um, I was raised in Silverside and Sunset Park, Brooklyn. Um, I went to elementary, middle school and high school in this community, mostly because my mother always wanted my siblings and I to be as close as possible to her job. Um she's a she was a seamstress um and she actually worked in these warehouses that uh in the City owns currently.
5: Awesome. Thanks, Camilla. Um and Sone, um are you there with us?
7: Yes, I'm here.
5: Hey. Um, good evening. Um yeah, so could you just introduce yourselves a little bit so our listeners know um who you are?
7: Yes. Um I'm Sene. I use she/her pronouns. I am an organizer at Kwan Center. Um, like Kimberly, I um, I grew up in Flushing. I live in Flushing. Flushing is my neighborhood, and it's so great to organize my own neighborhood. And I might be the um, probably the only tenant organizer in Flushing, so it's heavy-duty work.
5: Awesome. Well, thank you both for, for being on the air with us. Uh, you know, we've, our working class heroes, we've been talking a lot about housing issues um, in the past month. And um, with some of the rezoning efforts or, or hearings that have been coming up, we have wanted to kind of talk more, um, more broadly about gentrification and, and development. Um, so, um, Kimberly, maybe we can start with you. Um, Would you mind just kind of telling us a little bit about the Sunset Park community um, and what what you feel is at risk with the the rezoning efforts that are trying to get pushed through?
6: All right, uh, so Sunset Park is a very very diverse neighborhood. Um, We have such a great view of the Statue of Liberty and um, lower Manhattan in our park. Uh, It's a majority immigrant and working class community. Uh, We have Fifth Avenue, which is majority Hispanic, and Eighth Avenue, which is majority uh, Chinese community. It's also uh, considered a small Chinatown. Um, We have a lot of small businesses and townhomes. Um, It is also important to note that our Community Board 7 ranks number four in citywide neighborhood overcrowding, and um, 50.4% income households are rent burdened, and this is all pre-COVID. I would really like to know the data post-COVID. Um, and this rezoning will impact our community. Um, it, let's just be honest. It's a, it's a racist attack towards our community, communities of color. Sunset Park is not the only community that's going through this. Uh, there's other neighborhoods, um, like Flushing, Wood. um, and rezonings are just, you know, it hasn't been working for the working class community we're being pushed out already as is with gentrification and this will just accelerate gentrification to the max.
5: Thanks Camille. Um, And for for our listeners that don't know uh, what zoning is, or rezoning, um, rezoning is really a process that the city, that any kind of developer has to go through um, when trying to build in an area in the city um, that's already been permitted for a particular kind of, of set of buildings like, um, townhouses or single-family housing, um, and usually when a developer wants to, to build something bigger, like Industry City, um, they're going to have to actually rezone uh, the neighborhood, and there's a, there's a whole process for, for, for engaging in that rezoning, and that's, that's really what um, these, these more recent fights are about, about whether city council is going to approve rezoning. Um Senate, can you kind of give us a similar introduction to to what's going on in flushing um and what the community is like there, especially for our listeners who might not know you know too much about flushing um yeah
7: yeah, um flushing is um at the end of seven train <laughs> if you ever took the seven train. Um, I think I always start when I'm whenever I talk about Flushing. I always start by acknowledging that this land belongs to Matinecock Tribe, Native American tribes, um, and just to explain a little bit about about history. I think it's really really relevant. Um, you know, Dutch um, colonized Matinecock Tribe and, and Flushing. Um, and then they brought slavery, and then English took over, and there were a lot of European immigrants came into Flushing, and during the white flight, they moved out, so there were were a lot of, like, empty stores, and that's where um, a lot of Asian community, that's when a lot of Asian immigrants start coming into Flushing, around, like, 70s and 80s. Um, The first wave of immigrants were um, Taiwanese and Korean, People um, and 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 there were a lot of other immigrants um, from Asia who were coming in and and Flushing kind of grew um, a, a lot of Asian population and um, and um, it's similar to Sunset Park um, it's a low income working class neighborhood um, we have about twenty percent Latin community. Um, Think about sixty to seventy, or maybe over seventy percent Asian, and we have small but really, really historic um, Black community. Um, we use we have underground railroad, and there are a lot of like historical sites in Flushing. Um, just to talk about a little bit of the the rezoning, um, this came into the light um, about the developers have been claiming that they've been planning for this for twenty years, but. Um, about ten years ago, they got money from the state. Um, it's called Brownfield Opportunity um, Area Grant Planning Grant, and they got 1.5 million dollars. And that, uh, sorry, who got this is Flushing Willets Point Corona Local Development Corporation, um, um, and that local corporation got the planning grants from the the state, 1.5 million dollars, and then they kind of used that money in 2014. Um, they transfer $800,000 to the City Planning, um, Department of City Planning. And then that's kind of the start of the flushing rezoning. And since then, Mayor de Bellazio announced um, that he wanted to rezone flushing in 2014. Since then, we have been getting a lot of predatory landlord coming into flushing, harassing our, our people. I cannot say that we didn't have any issues before, but we are getting more issues and worsen the situation in working class neighborhood um according to new york times flushing quietly became one of the fastest growing for sale markets of the latest decades second only to the williamsburg um yeah i I think i think i said too too long so i'm just gonna cut right here (laughs) before i continue talking about
5: No, thank you i think that's a that's a history that um, a lot of people don't know about um, even people who live in New York City. So thank you for that. Um, and you're listening to Working Class Heroes Radio on WBAI 99.5 FM, also streaming on WBAI.org. So let's let's try to talk a little bit about um, what what's going on right now um, with the rezoning efforts, with the upcoming hearings or upcoming votes. Um, Kimberly, would you, can you kind of give us an introduction about what Industry City is and what this push for rezoning is all about or what are you guys organizing against right now
6: yeah uh, so industry city is the name of a uh, 5.3 million square foot complex of 16 buildings constructed between 1890 and 1920 on um, Sunset Park's waterfront um, and the complex sits between 32nd and 41st streets uh, between 3rd Avenue and like near the water and in 2013 um, five Investing partners purchased uh, the complex with Jamestown Properties, uh, becoming the majority owner of it. Um, I'm not sure if people know, but Jamestown Property used to own Chelsea's Market. Who's, they sold it to Google. Um, and that's another neighborhood that went through that rezoning and um, got impacted by it. Um, I'd also like to add that um, those were some of the warehouses were actually... Um, They had small factories there. Um, Like I mentioned in my introduction, uh, my mother actually worked in those warehouses during um, the time that it wasn't uh, purchased by these investors. Um, And there are private entities. um, And what they want to do right now is that they want to change the zoning laws to expand mostly large-scale luxury uh, retail, Um, almost a million more square feet, In the complex, uh, which are mostly low-paying service jobs, and two luxury hotels. Um, Mind you, one hotel they are planning on building in a property that they don't own as of yet. Um, And this will automatically displace 26 families.
5: Got it. Okay. Um, And... Sane, is is what's going on in, in flushing? I know that it's something similar in that it's a it's a waterfront, it's a it's a traditionally an industrial area, um, and there's also a rezoning effort um going on right now.
7: Yeah, um our people, uh, flushing residents have been, you know, voicing out that they're they have to they have they're forced to choose between rent and rent and food um for a long time. And um the food security issues got worsened after covid a lot of i think a few hundred people died at um a senior you know center in in flushing 10,000 people line up at the food pantry every week um i was talking to this tenants um they're they're saying that they're collecting bottles they have to collect the bottles because they lost their jobs and some people are getting fake eviction letter from the landlord um, we we're going through a lot of hard time, um, yeah. But but uh, we just had the rezoning um, hearing uh, hosted by city planning commissions um, this Wednesday. This past Wednesday, um, it's really crazy because they had it over Zoom, um, and forty one percent of Flushing people um, families do not have internet access. So it was really crazy. It was kind of like Um, You know, the Marie Antoinette, the French empress kind of situation. Uh, If you don't have um, bread, eat cake or something like that. Right. Um, So just to explain a little bit about um, the issues that we're going through a little bit in depth. um, Our schools are overcrowded 120 percent. I think Flushing is the fifth um, largest business district in New York City. So we have a lot of congestions and overcrowdness issues. Um affordable housing issues are the the most concerned issues um in, in flushing. Um and and earlier we talked about over policing and criminalization, um, like cleaning the street. Over policing is also an issue in flushing. Um sex worker young nan was was harassed by by the by the police and and we all know, um, and we are still grieving um, the the you know for her justice, um, environmental racism. Um, ever since the developers came in and start doing the constructions and and doing renovation in the in, in an apartment, we're getting really bad quality airs and rat infestation. Um, the the flushing waterfront like, like like i said um the flushing rezoning is like planned for 20 years by the developers so if you look at the 39th street um on downtown flushing a lot of the properties were bought by one of the developers fnt group and um like i said um it's been speculating the the land and the price in it in flushing and driving everyone out um it's the the, the rezoning plan itself. It's um, by the waterfront, Flushing Creek, where the Dutch used to do slave trade. Um, and before the Native American people were kind of like getting, you know, uh, fishing and stuff. That's the creek. Um, but this this is really, really dirty um, creek right now because they have raw sewage and they're planning on. Uh, the developers are claiming that they are going to be the savior to clean the waterfront, but we don't need them to be a savior. We, we, we want the other way around. Um, yeah, I just, um, I, I just, I think I just said a lot, but it's 40, um, sorry, it was, it's, a uh, it's by the waterfront. It's 11 block rezoning plan. Um, they're trying to build, um, two 30 feet towers, um, But the FAA restriction in Flushing is 170 feet, so, and it's um, it's on the the um, the Laguardia Airport, you know, the flight line. So it's gonna hit the building. Um, And Laguardia Airport is one of the most dangerous airports in the country, maybe in the world. I don't know, but um, because the the pilots have to manually fly in and out from the airport. But if if the building is on there in their way, how are they gonna land safely, right? Um, so those are the issues that we're going through because of the rezoning plan.
5: Great, okay. Well, thank you two for, for explaining that. Um, in a little bit, we're gonna try to go to, to callers, but um, you know, real quick, I just wanted to, um, to ask you both, um, we, we hear a lot from, um, from developers and from elected officials that rezoning ends up being good for the community. Um, and I just wanted to ask you all, uh, how, how do you respond to, to those kinds of arguments when they talk about, oh, it's gonna make a, a place um, prettier, it's gonna bring in jobs, um, or it might lead to more revenues? Maybe I can open it up to, to either of you um, that might wanna respond. Nice. Right, so maybe we can um, um, open it up to, to Kimberly. Uh,
6: I personally don't agree with that statement. Um, like I said before, rezonings are an attack to communities with color. Uh, such as myself and um, the working class community, right? They're the ones being um, impacted the most. They could say this because they're not the ones that are gonna lose their homes, right? They're not the ones that have to like feed their families. They're not the ones working three jobs during a pandemic because they're working from home, right? Like we don't have that luxury life. So for them to say that, it's like a slap to the face to us who are living it day by day. Um, So I really wish one of them could say that to me so that I could like give them, Mm. (laughs) you know, like points that they may say this, but that's because they're not being impacted directly by it.
5: Thank you, Kimberly. Um, Well, I think it's, um, we're going to take a quick music break um, and then we'll be answering the phones and hopefully we can keep this conversation going. Um, would both of you mind sticking around um, to answer to answer questions and, and keep talking? Great, okay. Um, well, if you want to give us a call, um, our number is 212-209-2877. Again, that number is 212-209-2877. You can call us directly with any questions. Um, Or issues So um, we'll be back after the break Stick around
8: The table about to turn The table about to turn The table about to turn Yeah Uh, I've been flipping through my timeline Trying to get my mind right My city cried out I got to cool down But I'm under pressure Cooking with my Crisco when i'm in a rage i got to cool down but i'm under pressure i keep my hands dirty my mind
5: That was Janelle Manet's turntables. So at the moment, we don't have any um, any questions from from caller. So why don't we just keep the conversation going a little bit. Um, so Kimberly just kind of gave us an introduction into um, why this rezoning effort, um, why people are, are coming together against the rezoning effort and how that's going to lead to, to displacement and, and gentrification um, in Sunset Park. Maybe we can um, kick it off to um to sone about um about flushing. Is that is that how you would respond similarly to you know to developers and even politicians who are saying no this is gonna be great for the for the community?
7: Yeah, it really drives me crazy when I hear hear that the development plan would um benefit our community because um the developer just although we're dealing with the um big huge rezoning plan 11 block rezoning plan right now um, this isn't the start of the gentrification in our na- neighborhood right the developers same developers have been gentrifying our neighborhood and and we have been seeing how that have been how that have been impacting our community members for instance like first um, and foremost food security issues a lot of uh, supermarkets um, closed down because their landlord bought um, their landlord sold it to some kind of developer so that the food um, supermarkets had to, had to close down and um you know and, and then target comes into the neighborhood and we the people have to pay more for the same kind of food um so that's that's one thing the second thing the speculation um you know, like I said, Flushing quietly became one of the fastest growing for sale markets, according to New York Times. So rent has been going up and up and up, 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 up. So a lot of people um, were not able to pay the rent and they're paying. They have to use 60 percent of their income to pay for the rent. This is a lot of money. Um, and because of the their talk, their, the developers sometimes always talk about oh, they're, we're going to bring more jobs. We're going to bring more uh, companies or something like that. But because they're bringing luxury um, kind of branch um, of like luxury restaurants and, and luxury um, you know, stores, a lot of small business owners had to close down their businesses. And because of that, a lot of workers who worked at the business had to, you know, they lost their jobs. So it's like a lot of, issues that they're actually bringing to our neighborhood and the things they are going to do isn't going to help the existing community they're going to bring people um, and kick us out who were not able to afford that and bring people who could pay for those luxuries so it's not for us anyway Um, and I just forgot to mention one thing that I want to add to this flushing rezoning um, description is that you know, like, like I said, it's, um, you know, they got the public money, uh, from the New York state, $1.5 million. And that was kind of the start of the rezoning plan. Then why are they building like gated community in Flushing? You know, why are they built making private streets in, in Flushing? It should be all for us. Right. So I really want to combat the narrative saying, Oh, developers in Flushing they're going to make the waterfront beautiful but they're going to make the private streets it's not for the community you know it has to be for us not like private street because you got the money from the state (laughs) right
5: well thanks Anae so it looks like we've got a, a caller on the line is that is that right Giovanni
9: that is correct. We do have a caller. We actually have two callers now, but we do
5: have a first one that's been patiently waiting. So, caller, you are on the air. Please tell us your name and where you are calling from.
9: Hi, everyone. My name is Jorge. He, him, pronouns. I'm calling from Sunset Park. Hey, Jorge.
5: Um, thanks for giving us a call. So what's your question?
9: Uh, so I guess I just wanted to get on the air and just thank everyone. Uh, for all their work that they're doing against rezoning, as a Sunset Park resident, um, what's happening right now, especially in Industry City, is close and dear to my heart. Um, and I guess I just wanted to echo a lot of what the organizers have been saying about jobs um, when it comes to industry specific, Industry City specifically. I've been doing some work with the, Pro- the Protect Sunset Park Coalition and wholeheartedly support their effort against the industry city rezoning. Um, And I guess I just wanted to ask um, how can listeners get involved, what they can do to support um, the good work that you're doing. Thanks Jorge, I appreciate your question.
5: Um, So maybe we can kick that off to to Kimberly, if you have any ideas for how um, folks who are interested in in pushing back can can get involved.
6: Um, I will say, learn how the regular process works. It's broken and outdated, right? Um, I didn't know how it worked before. um, And now realizing that voting for your local representatives, like city councils, uh, state assemblies, in your district is very important. um, And you know, just be aware of what's going on in your community through like Friends, um, Protect Sunset Park organization. You know, they are doing really an awesome work. It's very stressful to fight with these huge developers, especially when they're private entities or when it's the city. It's very draining. However, I feel like it's our responsibility to fight back and people power is always the best. Like they could have the money. That's fine. But if we have more numbers and more people, more voices, that's going to be our strength. And I really hope that the city changes these policies that are extremely oppressive to communities of color. Um, and it's it's time for a change. Atlantic Yards they displace the whole like black community, displace a whole bunch of businesses. We don't want that to happen in these communities. Now in Inwood not in Lower East Side, not in Flushing, and especially not in Sunset Park, right? We have alternatives. Why not listen to those? Why have to push a rezoning when it's a private entity during a pandemic? Because we're still in a pandemic, let's be honest. Like, people died here. Sunset Park had the highest rate of COVID-19. And they don't give a crap. <laughs> Pardon my language, but it just pisses me off that they don't, you know, Money and jobs, but those jobs are not going to be for the community. In Sunset Park, we're all, like most are they're Spanish monolinguals, and immigrant. They're not going to have these jobs, and if their minimum wage and our rank gets higher and higher, then we're going to be displaced, and the city is going to be left with no working class community, and it's going to be another Silicon Valley. Do they want that? The city has to reflect, like we have to change something it's about time and we saw that in labor day and i really hope that we could you know all get together citywide and let these people know enough is enough
5: thanks kimberly um appreciate that that response um giovanni it sounds like we got another caller on the line is that right
9: we certainly do and they've
5: been patiently waiting so uh caller you are now officially on the air please tell us your name and where you are calling from
10: Hi, uh, this is Jeremy. I'm actually calling from Sunset Park.
5: Great. Thanks, Jeremy, for calling in. Um, What's your question?
10: Yes, uh, I wanted to talk about, I was actually at the CPC hearing for Flushing, and um, I heard a lot of sort of basically environmentally racist sort of language around, um, and I've noticed a lot of similarities being in Sunset Park, um, this kind of discussion about what the neighborhood used to be like and, you know, this sense of that uh, the flushing waterfront is is dirty and smelly and this this kind of language uh, around, you know, immigrant communities and how these developers sort of frame the community in such negative manners. And so to talk to to both of them, the question about sort of how you see as waterfront communities – And the sort of vision that people have, I feel like the the communities actually have, you know, some beautiful visions for their waterfronts. And these developers seem to spend a lot of time really, really just, you know, negatively stereotyping the community and and what these immigrant communities have built, um, both in Flushing and in Sunset Park.
5: Hey, thank you, caller. Appreciate your question. Um, so we got maybe about a minute um, for each person to, to respond um, before we got to end the show. But maybe we can kick it out to Sene, and um, see if, if you know you're kind of experiencing the same thing in Sunset Park, and then we can take it to Kimberly.
7: Um, I really appreciate that you are listening to CPC hearing. it was really, really, really um, hard to listen to those really racist comments against. Against our people, and the thing is that the developers um, and those architecture groups um, and whoever they're testifying, you know, they were saying that they also grew up in Flushing. It's it's their argument. They they grew up in Flushing, so it's okay for them to gentrify um, Flushing. But you know, our class is different. <laughs> we are working class people. Our um, income ratio like in in downtown Flushing people make between 11 K and 41 K developers are not, they're like billionaire, or maybe millionaire. I don't know, but they're, diff- they're, they're not from the same class. And, um, I really want to combat that they are presenting themselves as if they are the only solution to the polluted water. You know, they, they are not, um, the solution is we have it, we have it. Um, our people have it. Um, there the other day our, our um tenants were saying, um, like why is it that the developers are privatizing waterfront and they're saying that they 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 are the only solution to make the waterfront accessible to our community when they're privatizing it. Um and they're and she was saying that why can't we just have a beautiful waterfront that's accessible for everybody and it's owned by the community? Right? So I really wanted to combat the idea that the developers are how they are presenting and they're the savior of our community. They are not the blushing is attractive to those developers because our people built it. You know, it's not the developers who who are making our neighborhood beautiful. It's us.
5: Definitely. Well, thanks, Anae. Um, Kimberly, do you have any um, response for for the caller about, about that issue about environmental racism?
6: Yes, it's like uh, Simei said, like, I'm just like, you know, I'm like, yes, 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 because it's true. They try to act like the savior and it's like, no, we have other alternatives. In Sunset Park, we have a nonprofit organization, Upros, that has the grid proposal. It's a very comprehensive vision that, you know, strategically plans for existing and anticipated climate impacts in Sunset. The goals are like to preserve the industrial character of Sunset Park uh waterfront retain and create well-paid working class jobs um so and then we're still waiting for new york city's comprehensive water plan for 2020 where is it i haven't been hearing it we need that because that's public and i personally don't want it to be privatized waterfront uh, it needs to be public so that's that familiar. we all go there and not feel oppressed as if we don't belong there, because that's how it feels when, at least when I go to Industry City, it feels like eyes are on me and like if I don't belong there. Um, You know, I went to high school here in Sunset Park, Sunset Park's high school, which was new, and I graduated in 2013, and that's when Industry City came in, and those are all the faces that we see, new people coming in the neighborhood and just looking at us as as if we didn't belong in our own neighborhoods, Um, and I don't want the future generations to feel that way.
5: Definitely. Um, well, thanks so much, Kimberly, and thank you, um, both of you. So, unfortunately, we're out of time for today, um, but thanks for coming, coming on and talking about Sunset Park and Flushing um, and hearing about all of those interconnections, too. Well, thank you all for listening um, and good night. Hey,
11: hey. hey. here from a fam doing all the I, I love my sin. Sweet and gritty in land to outskirts. Nickname Walk Tank, cause we've grown to outburst. Philosophy, we define a to touch mark, I, I touch, touch back. back. Walk the streets like a sweet and get beat like drum tracks. Catch no shakes over jakes. Woo-woo. We bust back. Bring the Marty to your face with no place to run back. I'm from the slums stack. We ain't the base to thaw back. This ain't the game plan. Play a James Brown and drop back. What you want, Jack? She she's that. Trying hunt that. We can retrieve my heart. Next, the fourth largest, fourth real is mm-hmm. in in the place. place. Settled by the judge many years ago. Three strong, and we go.